Good evening. Welcome to Left, Right and Center. I'm Vishnu Shom. On the program tonight, the Congress President Malika Kharge says an opposition coalition will unseat the BJP in the 2024 national elections and that the Congress was in talks with every other party to realize it. On the program tonight, a data-based analysis of the Index of Opposition Unity. Can the opposition be united? And is that the recipe to winning the election? Well, as an example, as Mr. Kharge made his remarks in Meghalaya, Rahul Gandhi hit out at Mamta Banerjee. So the question really does need to be asked, how united can the opposition in India actually get? Next up on the program, that's about half past the hour, a second attack by a dog on a young child in Hyderabad. This one, fortunately, was not fatal. But the death of a five-year-old yesterday has stunned people across the nation. This isn't the media driving rage against dogs, but there is a problem and people continue to be hurt. Is there a humane way around this crisis? And let's use that word, it is a crisis. What about dangerous dogs? Should they not be taken away? That's our second debate on the show this evening. But first, the index of opposition unity in the country. Does it exist? Can Malikarjun Kharge's comments that the Congress will lead the opposition to victory does that make sense at all? Here's my colleague Sanketo Padhyay with this reality check. So Malikarjun Kharge, the Congress president, says that the Congress is going to lead an alliance into ruling 2024 and the BJP will be reduced in numbers. But let's quickly take a look at the All India map on where the Congress stands vis-a-vis -vis opposition and how fighting fit they are in the 2024 contest. So let's quickly take a look at this map. We are calling this the All India Health Check uh, where all does uh, Congress party exist? So you've got Rajasthan, which is 200 uh, assembly seats, where the Congress plus the alliance has 122, the BJP is at 70, their alliance also around 76. Then we move on to Himachal Pradesh, where they've just recently won, uh, where the Congress has 58% of the seats at 40 uh, in the 68-member assembly, and BJP has 25 seats. In Chhattisgarh, the Congress has 71 seats, the BJP on 14 seats, of course, in a 90-member assembly, and Chhattisgarh is going to go to polls in just a short moment. Now, let's quickly tell you the non-Congress, non-BJP states, and this has become very, very crucial as far as an alliance is concerned, because there is no Congress over here. So, first, West Bengal, out of 294, uh, you can see uh, the numbers on your screen, the TMC won 213, but the BJP is number two at 77, so they have performed better than the Congress party. In Odisha, and we are talking about state assemblies, of course, in the context of Lok Sabha, because there is a correlation, because there, many of these elections have happened in close proximity to 2024. In Odisha, the BJD has 112, the BJP has 23. In Telangana, you've got uh, the TRS or the BRS with 88 seats, the Congress has 19 seats, the BJP just won as of this moment. However, they feel that they will perform better. In Kerala, 97 for the LDF and 47 for the UDF. In Delhi, 62 for the Aam Admi Party, 8 for the BJP, no seat for the Congress Party. So you can see that the Congress is not very healthy in order to lead or propel an alliance from these respective states. Same story in Punjab, 92 for the Aam Admi Party, 15 for the Congress, the BJP at 2. Of course, these dynamics change completely when you talk about Lok Sabha elections. In Andhra Pradesh, 151 to YSR Congress, no seat for the Congress and the BJP. Let's now quickly tell you the seats where there is a direct Congress-BJP fight. So this is data that we have collated from uh, official sources. 28 such seats in Karnataka, 
27 such seats in MP, 25 in Rajasthan, 11 in Chhattisgarh, 4 in Himachal and 5 in Uttarakhand. Out of a total 100 seats, the BJP is present right now in the Lok Sabha on 93 of these 100 seats. So in this direct contest, you can see that the BJP is winning. Now states where the Congress is part of a formidable alliance, Tamil Nadu and Puducherry, there are 40 seats in all. In Jharkhand, 14. Maharashtra, 48. This is of course the Lok Sabha strength from these states so that you don't confuse them with Vidhan Sabha. In Assam, 14. Six other northeastern states contribute to 10. Jammu and Kashmir at 6. And of these 172 such seats, the BJP holds and its allies, they hold 83 seats. So that is how powerful the BJP is in seats where Congress is part of a formidable alliance at a local level. Now let's talk about uh, Uttar Pradesh because we are, uh, or in fact, let's begin with this political map of India, which will give you an idea of which party stands where. So if you talk about BJP in full majority exists in that dark orange, NDA uh, with uh, more than 50% uh, in a slightly less tone of uh, orange, a slightly yellow is the BJP, which is less than 50%. The Congress full majority states just two. Then you've got the UPA with the Congress more than 50%, one. And UPA with the Congress less than 50%, those colors you can see. And then there are others that populate this India map. Let's now quickly talk about various states because this contest is going to be significant in the states. In Uttar Pradesh, can alliances work? Well, in 2017, a Congress-SP alliance failed. In 2019, a Mayavati Samajwadi alliance failed. In 2022, an alliance between Akhilesh Yadav and smaller regional parties also failed. It did not work. Let's quickly also tell you how the Congress is faring. So the Congress has been reduced to two MLAs in UP in 2022. Sonia Gandhi is the lone Congress MP uh, from Uttar Pradesh for the Congress party. And in the 2022 Vidhan Sabha polls, the Congress vote share from last time uh, which was around 6%, has been reduced to 2.3%. That's the health of the Congress party. And their alliance was in the biggest state, Uttar Pradesh. In the 2020 state elections, the Congress was reduced to 19 from the 2015-27. Uh, and the Congress is also uh, criticized for a very poor strike rate in 2020. They fought on 70 seats, but won only 19. So their track record is very poor. In West Bengal, the Congress's Sanjukta Morcha alliance with the left uh, also failed. The TMC vote share was 48%. Out of 292 seats, the TMC won 213. Remarkable performance by the TMC. The BJP was a clear number two with 38% vote share. In fact, how the Congress is insignificant as West Bengal can be proven from the fact that the TMC's vote share actually increased from 2016. From 45, they've increased to 48 so what difference can a coalition in West Bengal of the Congress party really make? So that is going to be a significant question. In Maharashtra, we know there is a mega split in the Shiv Sena, which is going to hurt the Maharashtra Vikas Aghadi. In 2019, the BJP and Shiv Sena together were uh, with 51% vote share in the Lok Sabha. Now, obviously, uh, with, with this new uh, big uh, faction, the Shinde faction with the BJP, they hope for a repeat. The Congress and NCP vote share was 32%. MIM's vote share was 7.6%. Could this possibly be an advantage to the BJP? And last but not the least, let's talk about Telangana. 
in Telangana. The BJP is preparing for a grand entry in Telangana. In 2018, 47% vote share for the BRS, 28% for the Congress. The BJP was at 7. Now, this is significant because a year later in 2019, in the Lok Sabha, the BRS was at 41, reduced. Congress at 29, 1% increase, but the BJP made the maximum gain at 19.5%. The BRS is practicing its non-Congress, non-BJP formulation. But will the BRS come together with the Congress party to defeat a possible challenger in the BJP? All right, well, we've got our panel in a little while, but first we've got a very special guest, Prakash Javrekar, uh, Rajya Sabha MP of the BJP, former union minister. Thanks, uh, Javdekar Saab, very much for being with us. Let me first get your reaction to what Malika Junkharge said. And he said, the Congress will lead an opposition coalition that will unseat the BJP in 2024 and that the Congress was in talks with every other party. How would you respond? Uh, in democracy and in India, there is no ban on daydreaming. That is number one. Without any homework, Khadgeji has claimed this is expression of ego. And everybody knows that situation has changed in India in last 10 years. It is now the performance and development oriented politics and voting. And Prime Minister said in Parliament, in Lok Sabha, that his shield and cover is faith of 140 crore people of India. So this is, people want development. What opposition unity, if at all, it happens. What it can happen, what, there has to be minimum program. No, what no, is Jadekar the minimum Saab, program? I'll tell you what, what the opposition the is trying to do. Now, I take your point. That's but, what I'm saying. No, no. What, but if you look at India's the, electoral uh, math, right? 37% of all Indians, right, the seat share of the BJP has been 37%. What the opposition is gunning for is the balance 63%. Uh, and therefore, they believe that, look, if we all come together, we'll get there. I think that's... See, this is, this is not, that's mathematic. Mathematic is that Modi's approval rate is increasing in all the states. And more importantly... People want development, as I said, they are aspirational. So it is not 37% and 63%. 63% are not together and they cannot be together. The, what can be the, I was just thinking, if Kharge's wish comes true, what can be the minimum program? Minimum program will be corruption, Wapas, corruption again, family rule again, and cases of corruption to be withdrawn again. Okay, Javdekar so Shab, there is nobody over here to reply to those allegations. Pro. So you put me in a, in a difficult spot. But why don't you answer this, Javdekar Saab? This is what... what? Uh, this is what... No, no. Uh, the elections don't work like this. We have a first-pass poll system. And in first-pass poll system, there are many candidates and the candidate which gets more vote gets elected. And it's perfect democracy. See, we are a very strong democracy. 70% voting. In Tripura, it was 85% voting. So this is the vibrancy of Indian democracy. 
and people have changed um, made many changes when they are upset on the uh, present okay. government javedkar sir let me ask you another question sir let it me ask what we are witnessing is pro incumbency okay let me ask you another question this is again what mr kharge said mr kharge said that the prime minister has several times said i am the only man who can face the country no other people can touch me um, and to and 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 kharge ji says no democratic man says this you are in a democracy you should remember you are not an autocrat you are not a dictator how would you respond but that is what modi ji has been elected by people and loved by people in a democratic manner they have given him mandate once not only twice and now third time also there is no vacancy but sir why don't we look at the math uh, why don't we also look at certain math, where you are math, not it is not let's math, look at states chemistry sir 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 In let, politics, let's let's talk elections, it is not maths but the chemistry works and chemistry is pro incumbency people want development sir that's a headline javedkar sir that is a headline it is not maths that works it is only chemistry is i mean is that genuinely your belief sir it's the yes. charm of modi that's going to win the elections yes okay but then why don't we take a look at some of the states where you've not done well and these are of course uh, assembly results of the more recent these elections. these were the assembly results see assembly and no, no, i know they are different i know they are different but i'm so trying to understand how you intend to counter it differently no no but javedkar sir let me bring up a graphic let's talk state by state let's look at I mean, rajasthan I mean just one minute one minute odisha voted the same day in parliament and assembly and then we got many votes more in parliament election on the same day so this is how things happen bjp has 15% of the seats right in orissa yeah and the bjd has 76% yes so in fact that's one of the states that i was going to talk to you about that it is a big challenge for you in no, the past the bjp and saying, the bjp were quite you close you see one minute you see the uh, percentage of voting bjp has secured in assembly and on the same day in parliament so what i am stressing at this point of time is every assembly and parliament elections are different okay let's take a look at west bengal uh, again i take your point about uh, you know comparing assembly and uh, the lok sabha elections differently it's not correct but just for, for but just if we are to go uh, with these numbers as a as an example of popularity the trinamool has 72% of the seats the bjp has 26% uh, again going forward even in the last elections you didn't do very well in bengal do you expect to seriously reverse this no no the last uh, last parliament elections we got 18 seats and we had only one seat in voting so we will we will also not only maintain but we will increase our tally that's my own assessment you will increase your tally over there one more state sir let's take a look at uh, let's say uh, telangana now you face considerable opposition in telangana um the brs now calls itself uh, you know an, an all india party at this stage they are avowedly anti bjp they are anti congress as well so um how do you intend to make a mark there 
the telangana is a rife state for a change of guards in telangana state because the assembly elections will be first and then it will be parliament elections so we will make the change itself in assembly elections that you will see okay two more states delhi and punjab the amadmi party in power in both of these states uh, delhi you would concede is a problem no because delhi last time also they had 67 seats yes but but we won all the seven seats in parliament so congress is disappearing that goes to amadmi party yes. but finally people vote for modi for development for good governance and that is the case uh, of delhi also is very clear that they won the assembly but we won all the seven lok sabha seats all right so javdekar saab the bottom line over here you spoke about development you spoke about the other issues but primarily it is the prime minister and what he carries that the bjp will continue to bangkok as bangkok and as far as you're concerned that is your master card with that the bjp is cannot be touched see because he symbolizes good governance people want good governance that's the simple thing all right okay javdekar saab thanks thanks very much uh, Thank for you. being uh, with us thanks very much thank you uh, thank you well joining us now to take a look at some of those comments and indeed uh, the the uh, electoral math and whether it actually uh, augurs well for the opposition as it tries to come together pravin chakravarty chairperson of data analytics at the indian national congress shogato roy of the trinamool congress uh, we joined by sudesh varma uh, of the bjp and rajat sethi as well who looks very closely at numbers uh, among his many many hats so first let me go across to um, mr chakravarty you know i've read this article of yours the fallacy of opposition unity and yet uh, pravin the point is that that's exactly what the congress seeks now that's exactly what mr kharge seeks so is he um, is he misguided or is he incorrect in trying to expect that is he expecting too much no no i think uh, i think you're uh... uh dumping it down way too much uh in terms of what the article says and what uh, the congress president uh, mr karge uh, meant um first i didn't realize the 9 pm show the first half of a 9 pm show turned into a propaganda platform for one party but um i just heard mr javdekar rant about um, no no actually how, there are plenty how, of congress leaders who don't come on debates either how, you no, won't have mr chidambaram coming in on a debate neither will you have for win, example mr anyway, shashi tharoor so, coming in on a debate so that's an so, unfortunate bit that one has to live with right so many well, leaders is, from your party that, that, well that may be your that may be your occupational hazard but it is it is my occupational hazard but that that's, that's not specific to that's not specific so to me to the bjp it happens hazard. to be specific to many parties including your own but so, please go ahead um, with your point yeah the first point is mr karge was talking about a stronger congress party when he meant that the congress will lead an alliance in 2024 yes certainly one could argue is that a prediction is that a prognosis but he what he was alluding to was a stronger congress party right what the article says what my article that you're referring to actually argues is not opposition unity as a generic idea the idea that there can be more unity the article argues that 
unity, the, the idea of index of opposition unity cannot just be seen through numbers. In fact, there's a line in that article that says voters are not numbers to be added, but people to be represented. So politics is about representation. It's not about voters being added up together or subtracted together. So I think that was the um, larger point of the article. Now, as far as opposition unity, and that, that phrase itself is a, is a little bit vague. But when we talk the about... The article is called politics, The Fallacy of Opposition Unity. When, when we talk about alliance politics, alliance politics, I can give you some um, numbers from 2019. In 2019 election, the Congress party contested among the least number of seats in its electoral history. That means it conceded a lot of seats to its alliance partners. So that is alliance politics. Now, could there be more such opportunities? Sure, there could be more such opportunities. There are many parties that have broken away from the BJP. There are many new partners. So absolutely, there can be. But this idea that opposition unity means there's a certain number to be added is what that article contested. But And, uh, and as I pointed out, in 2019, the Congress party already had a lot of alliance. Now, in terms of national foot, footprint, when yep. we say the Congress party is the natural leader of the alliance, it is in terms of national footprint. The Congress party contested 421 seats in the 2019 election. The next, the next uh, largest party was BSP with 363. But after that, it's the Trinamool with, six, with 62 seats that they contested. I'm not talking about winning. Sure. So it is about footprint. So when we talk about leading an alliance, it is about footprint and being able to be get on the ballot and actually garner votes. Okay. Now, is will of course, it is the Congress Party's responsibility and challenge for 2024 to increase its fighting capability and capacity. And that is a point that is well taken and okay. conceded. Okay, one sec. Uh, let me uh, go across to Shogoto Roy. Shogoto, you know, just today in the Northeast, I believe in Meghalaya, you had Rahul Gandhi... Um, you know, being very critical of Mamta Banerjee and the Trinamool Congress. And yet you've got the Congress president talking about opposition unity. How does that work, sir? Now, A, it is not the time to finally say anything about opposition unity. <clears throat> we have seen what Rahul Gandhi has said. This has been rebutted by Abhishek Banerjee. We have mentioned that Trinamool Congress is the only party which took the BJP head-on in West Bengal election and gave them a drubbing, where BJP got only 26% seats after all their leaders, Modi, Shah and Nadda and who, who not, came and campaigned in Bengal and they spent hundreds of crores of rupees in Bengal. So TMC do, does not need any certificate from anybody about its fight against the BJP. So when the BJP, when the Congress contested 92 seats in Bengal, did we say that uh, Congress joined hands with BJP? So why are they saying this thing? Trinamool Congress has gone into Meghalaya to build its own base, it is fighting an election on its own. Shogutuda, uh, would you be happy with Rahul the Congress Gandhi leading an alliance yes. in 2024? 
it's too early to say anything about this matter. Alliances But, have not been discussed in our party or outside. And no other party has discussed alliances with us. But do you We do accept, Shogotoda, that an alliance is inevitable force. for the opposition? For any fighting chance, you do accept that alliances are, are natural? <sighs> alliances, I would welcome an alliance of all opposition parties, provided everything else works out. But I think it's too early to comment on the matter, since neither has our party discussed it within itself, nor has any other party given a specific proposal to us. But yes, theoretically, an alliance against BJP would be necessary to defeat the BJP for the good of the country, to preserve the secular values of the country, to save the country from scams like Adani inspired ones. So, that way allies might be necessary. Sudesh Varma, do you believe that, the, uh, that, that there can realistically be uh, a threat to the BJP through an opposition alliance led by the Congress? Do you believe that that can actually be a reality which the BJP might have to confront? You see, even if it becomes a reality, of which uh, there is not much possibility, you see, because the way Congress has spoken out, out of turn, it has come a sort of response to what Mr. Nitish Kumar said, isn't it? That oppositions should come together against uh, Mr. Modi. So they have said there is going to be Congress-led alliance, isn't it? It's the, one of the most undemocratic statement ever coming from a party that is trying to lead an alliance of opposition, ragtag opposition. Second issue is, you know, we have always said that it will be good for the country If two alliances contest against each other, people would have easier choice. They would know what ideology one alliance represents. And they would be able to cast their votes. For, so far as us is concerned, you see, you had, um, Mr. Prakash Javadikar has already answered most of the questions. But you see, if you if you try to analyze 2019 Lok Sabha elections, uh, close to 150 seats are there where we won with uh, more than 50% votes. You cannot just statistically present where we did not contest or where we don't have a presence. You add that and bring the numbers down. And our target is at least on 300 seats. We are going to um, win with uh, more than 50% votes. So it doesn't matter whether the opposition unites or doesn't unite. The way it is going on, the way it decides uh, Mamta Banerjee and the Trinamool Congress, it doesn't augur well for an alliance. If that is the you know, nature of alliance they're going to have, that they're going to insult each other and uh, they are going to accuse each other of corruption and then come together because they have to fight Modi, uh, the country will have a clear choice. Okay. Praveen Chakravati, you know, one of the key issues, there are two key issues over here. If you talk about opposition unity or a grand alliance, who's going to be the leader and what will the carbon minimum program be? Let's talk about the carbon minimum program later. But there is no doubt that Modi secures a lot of the votes of the BJP based on his personality, his charisma, etc., etc. Who is the opposition leader that commands that sort of respect in a country that is obviously charmed by very strong leaders? I, I, I don't think um, it's, a, it's a question at all. I mean, I think the obvious, the answer is quite obvious. The answer is Mr. Rahul Gandhi, with uh, uh, his, his enormously successful Bharat Joda Yatra, which is um, just reconfirmed uh, that, that idea. See, like I said, the, 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 when we talk about these sort of things, we must first understand that we are almost like Europe and not like America or UK when we talk about politics and elections. It is about footprint. Which party has the largest footprint across the country? 
which leader has the largest recall across the country from the opposition, right? Now, of course, in certain states, some regional leader may be more popular. But when we start talking about general elections, we are talking about footprint across the country. So it be, and, and I think I often find that these sorts of discussions mix the two. Of course, in some states, there could be some, some, uh, some in other individuals who could be more popular in, in that particular state. So when we start talking about a footprint, you know, I think it is only natural that the party with the largest footprint and the leader with the, the, the largest national recall will be the natural leaders of the alliance. But that does not... So Rahul Gandhi is the leader with the largest national mean, recall. Praveen, not... just one point. Rahul Gandhi, you believe, is the leader with the largest national recall? I said in among the opposition, absolutely. And therefore, absolutely. He's an, I, he should be... The, and are you confident that the opposition would accept that? Amamta no, no, Banerjee would accept I think, that? No, no, I can't get into conjecture. I'm stating facts. Any, you take any empirical study, any study, the leader in the opposition with the largest recall footprint is Mr. Rahul Gandhi. That's a fact. That's Kevin, one one, one quick question. You know, Mr. Kharge may mention that the Congress has been in touch with all opposition parties. Now, we've heard this many times before. Is there anything new or different which has taken place to suggest that this alliance might actually be coming together, that other opposition parties are saying, all right, fine, let it be Congress-led. Are we at that stage as yet? I'm sure there are such discussions, and I'm sure you would not know that we're not going to be discuss this, discussing it on national TV uh, in front of all of you. Well, I so. have to ask. <laughs> all right. Um, Rajat Sethi, um, the, the key point that Praveen Chakravarti talks about is uh, the footprint of the Congress. The point that he's saying is that, that obviously that footprint has to translate into votes. But given the footprint of the Congress, um, you know, they would naturally be in a position to perhaps lead the opposition. Is that footprint strong enough to take on the BJP? I think more than anything, uh, looking at the opposition parties, do they even pay regards to this footprint? The larger point here is when... Uh, you know, the rubber hits the road. That's when you when you see how alliances operate. Tripura just went into election very recently, like 10 days back. Uh, Congress was in alliance with uh, the left there. And uh, technically on arithmetic, that could have posed a serious challenge to, to the BJP in that state. Can you imagine none of the Congress leader ac actually visited the state? Throughout the election, not a single national leader of Congress went there. You know the reason behind it? The reason is that nobody wanted to see themselves close to the left because because uh, their, their de facto leader, Rahul Gandhi, comes in from Kerala where they are fighting uh, and are on opposite poles. This is the fact. This is what is 10 days back. I don't know whom they are talking when Kharge comes in and claims that, uh, you know, we are speaking to all possible leaders. And uh, Praveenji is sitting here and he's saying that we don't discuss uh, strategies publicly, but this is a public affair. Election is a public affair. What more can it be? When you have an alliance partner in place... And you are not even confident of sharing the same stage with that alliance partner. This is how every alliance that they will forge in the future is going to crack open when, uh, when the rubber would hit the road. This is the harsh reality. Theory we can discuss ad nauseum. But I have never seen Congress Party effectively forging alliances in any of the states over the past eight, nine years or so. Give me one example where they've successfully done that and have come to power and you see the tamasha that. Look at Maharashtra. It, they made a whole mockery of that state. 
we have seen how it uh, uh, the daily differences that used to erupt between the top three people uh, of uh, the Mahavikas Agadi. Their state president of the Congress Party in Maharashtra used to say that it is the NCP who is the who is problem uh, character here and have a backdoor uh, channel of communication with the BJP when they were in the alliance and in the power. This is what is in a, such an important state in Maharashtra. All right, you one know, sec, let's get a response. Praveen, would you like to respond to that? The Congress unable no, to mean, forge alliances. No, no, I think these, this is all some rhetoric. That, uh, oh, I, come on. Uh, how can Alli alliances work? Alliances don't work. Give me an example. Okay, alliances work, alliances don't work. This is politics. Now, we, I can go ad nauseum about what happened in yeah. Bihar and why the alliance broke. Or I can go ad nauseum about how Tamil Nadu and DMK has a strong alliance. Or in Kerala. So, you know, I think let's not get into such kind of tutu meme type of thing. Let's let's keep this civil. The, the argument that you're asking, the, the question that you're posing is about can alliance politics be strong enough to take on the BJP in the next election? And our belief and our categorical answer to that is yes, absolutely. How will those alliances play out? Where will those alliances be? What will be the common agenda? What will be the leadership like? All of those will be discussed, but absolutely no need for me to reveal any of that to, some, to a bunch of panelists on a national television show. You're absolutely I, certain that, you know, that the opposition will be united. That's the bottom line. That the fighting that we see absolutely. now between the, the TMC and the Congress will not be replicated at a later stage onto a battle for, for leadership. Absolutely. Um, see, let's let's also look back at the history. I mean, if there is one party with a history of alliances, it's the Congress Party. I already gave you numbers to prove that, right? I said that in 2019 we contested the least number of seats. We can. I my, I come from Tamil Nadu. I know how strong an alliance there was. Yes, we may have our daily. You know, we may we may say a few things here and there during the daily grind of politics. But alliance dharma is something that the Congress party has conceptualized, practiced for decades before a few other parties have started to conjure up this All right. uh, idea. Sudesh Varba, last comment to you that uh, opposition yeah. alliances or alliances are something the Congress has historically been able to forge uh, and they have a yeah. track record in that. Vishnu, Vishnu, the Congress is not able to keep its own flocks together precisely because of the tutorial attitude of Mr. Rahul Gandhi who prefers to give biscuits to his dogs rather than talk to his former leader, who is now with us in Chief Minister of Assam. We have seen that the way leaders have walked out, it is because they were not getting proper respect. How can they respect yeah, alliance partners? Can, can I, can I, know, can I, can I complete? Can facts. I complete, please? Can I complete, please? I did not interfere. You see, the way, the way they have thrown the card before the horse, that the alliance will work only if the Congress is there. Congress is going to lead the alliance. Congress is going to, you know, form the government. They have already decided. So where is the question of talking to, negotiating to the likely partners? Any respectable partner will say that come first discuss whether we are going to be with you. What is the agenda? How you are going to uh, take such a massive task? And who should be the leader? We should discuss, you know, in any democratic way. Not the way you are saying, Mr. Kare, oh, Congress is going to lead and form the government in 2024. Then the story ends there, isn't it? All right. Look, this, this discussion ends over here. I'd like to thank you all very much uh, for joining us. Let's see how far... Uh, uh, this opposition uh, forming process actually is at presently. It seems inevitable that there will be an alliance. Uh, but the contours of that alliance, uh, will it truly be Congress-led in the way that Mr. Kharge says? Uh, has progress been made on those talks? That's something that needs to be looked at very, very closely. We'll take a short break. Up after that, onto something completely different. 
There were headlines yesterday after a young child, just four or five years old, was killed by street dogs in Hyderabad. There's been another attack today. Fortunately, that child is okay, but with injuries. The question that's being asked is, uh, how do we make our country safe with stray dogs? That's up next. Welcome back to Left, Right and Centre. Next up on the programme, a second attack by a dog on a young child in Hyderabad. This one, fortunately, was not fatal, but the death of a five-year-old yesterday in Hyderabad has stunned people across the nation. This isn't the media driving rage against dogs. There is a problem. It's time people confronted this problem. The issue is, is there a humane way to deal with this crisis? How does one deal with dangerous dogs? Should they not be taken away? That's what we are looking at. We've got a great panel. Ambika Shukla, trustee for People for Animal with us. Meghna O'Neill, director and co-founder of the Humane Foundation for People and Animals. Shaili Singh, Federation of uh, AOA in, in Noida. And Dr. Sanjeev Bagai, chairperson of Nephron Clinics. Um, Dr. Singh, how would you respond to those who say that, uh, or, or in fact, Shaili Singh, let me come to you first. How would you reply, respond to those who say that we need to be humane about dealing with this crisis, just uh, destroying dogs? is not the solution. See, we see uh, the records, 1960 Prevention of Cruelty to the Animal Act. It was in the 1960. Section 38, again, it uh, defines that animal birth control, there are certain rules. But now if you see these, uh, the data, today's data, around 36% of the entire worldwide, the rabies deaths, 20,000 approximately, 20,000 deaths are being caused in India. And now this is the time when we really need to work on the stray dog menace. And still, what I feel is the sterilization and the vaccination of dogs are not in, are really inadequate at this phase. So our government really need to work on this particular segment. Amika, uh, sterilization not effective at this stage. 20,000 deaths in India, what does one do? You have to look at it in perspective. When you say 20,000 deaths, you have to say that it is 0.00114. That's 14, uh, 0.0014%. That is how it needs to be looked at. So, you know, the figures just need to be looked at rightly. Secondly, there there is no need... Uh, for uh, discarding a perfectly good program that has not been implemented well. The program is very sound. The implementation has been less than perfect. So what we need to look at is better implementation of the ABC program, but it actually has all the answers. There are three main causes for bites. One is during the mating season when males become excited. Second is after birth when females deliver puppies and they become protective. And finally, it's due to territorial fighting when dogs enter each other's territory. What the ABC program does, the animal birth control program does, there is no mating, so males are not excitable. Two, females don't have puppies, so they don't need to become protective. And finally, since dogs are sterilized and replaced in exactly the same place, there is no territorial fighting. So actually, this is not just, it not just contains numbers, but also ensures rabies vaccinations and also ends biting. So it's, it's a very good solution. And it's not just limited to India. This has been proven worldwide. 
there are so many states now in India where we've implemented it, which has been Goa is the, uh, rabies free. Guwahati is rabies free. Jaipur, where the program was initiated, is rabies free. So it's just better implementation, more systematic. The program was actually introduced in no, 2001. But, Ambika, it's not just rabies, but even is it? till today, it has not been implemented all around India. Amika, how would you respond to the parents of, so of that little child who was killed systematically yesterday? How would you respond to... Yes, it's a truly tragic incident. Yes, it's a truly tragic incident. There's no getting away from that. But at, on the other hand, Vishnu, what I find very strange is how little effort and time we put into understanding the behavior of species other than our own. For example, uh, everybody drinks milk. But nobody even knows what makes a cow happy. Do you stroke her? Do you hug her? What do you do? With dogs, there are very simple and safe solutions. The first, the first rule that we need to teach everybody is when a dog approaches you, do not run. The dog is not coming with this any hostile This is a four-year-old Ambika who He's was attacked by six you dogs. dogs. You expect yes, a four-year-old to... you can to, teach them. Yes, to you teach can a teach a four-year-old yes. who sees Vishnu, six dogs I, charging complete. at him. Yeah, let me complete. We teach them, we teach, you know, we teach them not to be afraid of the dark. We teach them traffic rules. We teach them how to cope. How is it that we teach children how to use the computer or the phone or everything? These are animals that share our lives and our world. Simple rules of behavior do not run. In old India, there was a wonderful saying, Kutta ai, a ped banjai. Do not move. The dog will come. That's easier you, said than done. Of just Ambika, just one second, you, Dr. Bagai. Will go on. I'll come back to you. It is not easier said. It's very easy. No, no, to no, no. Teach one second. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not. Dr. Bagai, would you agree? Prevent, and it can prevent a lot of sure. uh, accidents. Dr. Bagai, would you agree? Are prevented by one that single, there is behavior rule. that people need Do to uh, ensure that they practice, including four and five year old children, so that it saves uh, yes. them from attacks? Is this realistic? Good evening, good evening, good evening everyone. Yes. Uh, I think right at the offset, I would like to say that uh, my previous panelists' uh, statements and, and views are very far away from the truth and reality. Uh, the, the real uh, issue is that the elderly and the children very often uh, cannot manage the menace of stray dogs. This is not rare. In a lot of programs yesterday, just allow me two minutes flat and I'll put everything in perspective for you. Uh, a lot of people have said that, no, it's a rare event. It's not a rare event because most of the dog bites actually go unreported. Uh, to lose 20,000 people, which is actually a documented data, is still a lot of, of deaths, which are preventable deaths. I stress preventable deaths. Uh, there is, uh, this is an abandoned issue. Of course, the local corporates need to come in with more shelter homes and to keep dogs away. The residents do not have to feed stray dogs. Uh, because they are then going to come and bite the people where it is where they are being fed, and the open halal system, which that is, is a waste exactly management system, exactly the opposite. Actually, is all astray. Feeding makes now, dogs. Real, the real issue is. Ambika, let, let him finish. Ambika, let him finish, so and then I'll come to you. Another part of the problem. Yeah. Let, let him finish. Go yeah, ahead, Doctor Bagai. Yeah. And can I please finish? Okay. Thank you. Uh, what? What the point I'm trying to make is that a small child of a two-year-old or a one-year-old as a toddler, especially from a poor class, uh, which is uh, which are laborers or workers, often have the children uh, right at the construction sites or in other places. It's almost impossible to expect a small child to be trained that when a dog is coming, stand still. The natural instinct of a child is to run. Likewise, for a human being or even an elderly. Let me stress on three important points. 
stray dogs which are ferocious and they very often bite and human beings cannot live in the same milieu they cannot have the same environment therefore we need to choose safety first we have a huge amount of laceration wounds which go unreported internal organ damage and bleeding which goes unreported and more importantly more than 30% of the world's rabies deaths happen in india rabies is not a funny disease to get there is a near 100% mortality if it is not treated and yet if it is treated you come back with lot of morbidity and long term sequelae including the brain i want to put this very clear stray dogs and human beings cannot be in the same environment we have to have a implementable program we have to have people being told not to feed stray dogs there are a lot of mystical people in a fantasy land to put out food for stray dogs outside the house and then they have no responsibility for those dogs this is ridiculous this is unacceptable to lose a small child or any other human being with something which can be prevented over to you som megna would you like to respond to that yes uh, first of all i'd like to say that one death from a dog attack or rabies is one death too many you can't say there are 1 billion people in this country so if 20000 people die it's a very small um, number or ratio that's one secondly i'd like to make the legal uh, point uh, over here all of our laws and acts under the indian constitution that protect animals as well as people require and mandate the humane removal and euthanasia of stray dogs even the prevention of cruelty to animals act mandates the euthanasia of, of stray dogs because it recognizes that there is cruelty in homelessness either you shelter them you get them adopted or you euthanize them the problem here is all of our laws and acts are on one side saying that there can be no stray animals the the concept of stray animals is a negative concept that's why no one has stray animals and cows on this on the streets and our laws don't permit it the problem in this situation is the animal birth control rules which which say that instead of removing stray dogs we are going to sterilize them and leave them on the road and then we'll feed them and then you know this fantasy has been created that we'll feed them and we'll all live happily ever after the problem is the fact of the matter is that dogs are domesticated companion animals they cannot live uh, unless they are under 100% human control and supervision that's why even pet dogs who are presumably well taken care of well fed uh, are not uh, you know uh, they don't have a cruelty inflicted on them why do pet owners have to take their dogs out on a leash why isn't why doesn't the whole world have have free roaming dogs the idea of free roaming dogs is a lose lose situation for people as well as animals no, so, and our laws so our in laws terms of humanely dealing with this situation are you saying bottom line that beyond a point dogs which are dangerous need to be euthanized then that there is no way around absolutely. this absolutely there's absolutely there's no question about it and not just dogs that are that are uh, dangerous i mean there's no question about that in the us today 2 to 3 million dogs and cats unwanted uh, ownerless that can't be adopted are euthanized these are healthy animals not necessarily dangerous but uh, it's it's what you do i okay, think you have a second or you adopt get them adopted let me get a reply from ambika uh, ambika you know the point is clear you cannot have children human beings along with dangerous dogs and therefore they need to be euthanized i think we're completely missing i think we're completely missing the point you know we uh, dogs have earned the title of man's best friend over centuries 
we use dogs to lead the blind how would we not rely on dogs i mean to lead a blind person takes absolutely we're talking about dangerous dogs we're not they talking about they fight with our forces on the front no no uh, ambika no we are only talking about dangerous no dogs i'm sure all of us on this program yes, would like dogs there is no such thing we're talking Let about dangerous dogs let me just tell dogs. you there is no such yeah there is no such thing as a there is no such thing as a dangerous dog there is an ill treated dog who will react because of the cruelty he is faced but there is no such thing as a dangerous dog you treat dogs well they treat you back with love kindness and loyalty nothing else so it is our behavior that prompts a reaction dogs don't act they react if you show a dog cruelty so you are blaming the five-year-old child you show a dog compassion you are you you i am not blaming anybody ma'am uh, please let me complete please let me complete abika go ahead abika go ahead all right uh, so when you when you yeah when you treat dogs well you will find them to be the most loyal and reliable companions why is it when you talk about feeding why is it that uh, dogs don't bite feeders these they are also human beings they are also children who feed how come they don't bite those children so i'm saying it's a way of teaching we have to elect compassion over hatred and intolerance for 50 years we were killing dogs in this so kind of solution if you think killing is an answer for 50 years we were doing it until it was shown that it did not reduce the population by even one bit so killing is never a solution dogs were being okay. poisoned electrocuted buried alive by the municipality by the law until it, the it was shown and proven and then the courts came down really strongly against this kind of cruelty and completely wanton unnecessary cruelty that didn't lead to any benefit okay. to anybody all right abika so you made your point dr bagai well. would you like to would you like to respond himsa and mahatma gandhi yeah. said yeah mahatma gandhi said the the way a nation treats its animals can be you know is, is right. the measure of its civilization and moral progress all right. and i think we Doc, need doctor, to remember no, no, that kambika you made your point when so you made your point dogs, effectively dogs. dr yeah, bagai how would you reply, how would you respond to that yeah i think we need to dissociate fantasy emotion from reality the reality is that a dog bite is extremely painful distressing and often mutilating and secondly a consequence of dog bite be it a bacterial infection or indeed rabies is so so distressing and we see this in in hospitals it's one of the worst nightmares not only medically but for the patient and the family i've said this again and i'll say it again it is 100% preventable rabies are, is 100% preventable and so human beings you need to remember that the same environment feeding stray dogs and not taking responsibility thereafter yes, is completely madness i would very strongly advocate that the corporations local corporations have sufficient amount of places built up to to house these stray dogs there has to be a public awareness that no one should be street uh, feeding stray dogs and open dalaws which we call as waste dumps no. have to be got rid of especially in residential colonies you cannot have basements of residential colonies or societies having stray dogs being fed we are calling for problems and to lose a child who is who is just a gift of god to to be mauled down by a bunch of stray dogs is completely in, unacceptable okay. extremely sad okay. look i'm going to wrap this debate up now we are completely out of time on this uh, but uh, we haven't found a solution in several decades some solution needs to be found it needs to be humane um, but ultimately lives need to be protected perhaps that's something we can all agree on right human all lives all lives all lives
that perhaps we need to place our own lives uh, as humans first. I think that's the bottom line. All lives. There's no. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. Okay. I think many would disagree, but I respect that opinion. We'll uh, take a break at this stage. Thanks very much for being with us. Good night.